You should stay home on Black Friday and listen to Better Buddies. Hello, and welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host, RJ. With us this week, it's James. Hello. Our Better Buddies icebreaker this week, what two jobs are fine on their own, but suspicious if you work both of them? Uh, and I'm going to go with funeral, funeral director and meat packaging, like a butcher. Oh, that's a pretty good answer. I would also That's... put out uh, Barber and Meat Pie sales person. Oh, look at you. Did someone watch Sweeney Todd recently? Not recently, but uh, it's my go-to of two jobs that should not mix. Mm, I'm going to say... <laughs> uh, let's see here. Hmm... Like taxidermist and uh, like daycare supervisor. <laughs> Ooh, that's yeah. Is yep. one that I feel a little, a little unnerved about. Um, really, you could pair taxidermist with quite a few, in all honesty, and be somewhat. Um, yeah. See, I'm trying to make sure, like, I stick to legal jobs because I think that's that's really the intent, right? Like. Mm-hmm. I think it's really suspicious if you are a pharmacist who also like runs a local homeless shelter. Oh, wow! Yeah, that's pretty scandalous. That's a lot of potential mm. there. A lot of potential. Um, how about how about an AA leader who also owns a bar? Oh, that's that's a little hmm. That's suspicious. Yeah, it's a little too close together, but it would be kind of funny. Like on the one hand, it makes sense, and then you think of it the next layer down. And it's like, oh, maybe you shouldn't be looking for your next clients, and then it's like, oh, but actually, you know the ins and outs of alcoholism. Yeah, you funnel them there. You funnel mm. them there. Mm. Um. Children's Religious Youth Organization and Politician. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Little suspect. Little suspect. Um, pet Shop and Taxidermist. <laughs> Pet shop and taxidermist is that might be the winner, actually. That's pretty great. That's pretty good. Ooh. You get them when they're born and you keep them when they die. Yeah, that's honestly, it's not even that that's bad of a business, business idea. Model. Yeah. Pet store in front, taxidermy in the back. Yeah. Party up front, party in the back. Party in the back. It's a party all around. Yeah, I like that's my favorite. Nice. I feel like that. See, that's a good one, but I feel like that's just such a valid business model. Like, I think I gotta stick with um. The what was it you said? Taxidermist and what? Taxidermist and uh, children's daycare supervisor. Yeah, I got a problem with that. <laughs> yeah, I have a problem with that too. It's a little. It's a little. It seems a little far. They're two. They're on opposite ends of the of, of the spectrum. I don't know what spectrum, but a spectrum for sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, do we want to move on to our next segment? Yeah, let's do it. Our next let's segment is that. Better Buddies Recommend, where we recommend a piece of media to enjoy. Do you want to start? I can do it. Sure. Um, I don't think I've recommended this one before. I'm going to say the movie Margin Call. The what? It's the movie 
Margin Call. Margin Call is the name of the movie, and when it is about. Out? Came out in two thousand eleven. Okay. It is following a group of top executives and financial analysts and other sundry employees who work at an unnamed but prestigious Wall Street securities firm and realize less than eight hours before the opening of the markets that they're on the verge of the greatest economic collapse in the history of essentially organized commerce, uh, AKA the 2008 financial collapse. So they have to all pull together and sort of decide what they're going to do about it and how they're going to weather the storm. And it's honestly, I wanted it to be a little more, a little more, I liked it. Um, it's got some pretty good actors. It's got Jeremy Quinto, or not, Zachary Quinto, who plays Spock. The Struck re remakes or whatever, the mid to late 2000s ones. Uh, it's got Jeremy Irons, who's very fun. Uh, it's got Demi Moore. It's got Stanley Tucci. It's got Paul Bettany, who's like one of, he's a great performance in the film. And uh, it's kind of written very slow, very dramatically. Are you it's me this very. He's got the tooch. I'm telling you, it's got the tooch. It's Hot got damn. the tooch. Yeah, the tooch kind of bookends this film. Um, shows up in the beginning and shows up in the end. What is he, the narrator? <laughs> he is not the narrator. I wish he was. I think. Uh, I think that would be fun. But oh, I no. get it. This is a Princess Bride thing where he's telling, he's reading the story to a kid in bed. That's exactly it. He's uh, he's reading it to his his uh, grand nephew in the year twenty forty, uh, and telling in the him the movie. That his grand nephew's like, "Fuck you, grand uncle! I'm gonna play me some Xbox five hundred. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go trade crypto securities on the digital market. Stanley on my PS seven. On my PS seven. <laughs> PS seven. A joint venture between Bloomberg Terminal and Sony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it's it's good though. It's 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 a good little. I I don't know why. Like some guys have the have like World War Two. Other guys have like uh, I don't know. I guess like comics or something. For me, my kind of real world niche interest is quickly becoming the the financial collapse because I just find it so. <laughs> fascinating because we're on the brink of another one well hmm. i mean i've got like yeah. three like headlines three to five headlines in the last like two weeks all saying we're on the brink of another collapse as bad or worse than the 2008 one and it's like okay yeah it depends like where it happens the, the what the the problem with 2008 was like our entire economy was based in in like the housing market because it was just seen as something that was so foundational and so sort of like guaranteed in terms of its value that no one really questioned that its value could be severely overinflated which it was so i've heard the same thing again like i've heard that like uh you know the housing market is in a huge bubble right now i don't know about other areas i'm not super tuned in like financial news but I do think, I do think one is going to happen. And honestly, what I think it's going to be catalyzed by is like the student debt stuff. I think mm. that is going to, yeah, because I think a lot of people were depending on that money, and I think they're probably not going to make good on their return. Which we'll see how that like works out. I'm honestly, I don't know. I'm, I mean. I'm biased in the decision, so I'm just interested to see how it turns out. But yeah, I mean, I saw some. I was watching the news the other. Or it was either earlier this week, late last week, where it's like, oh, the median income needed to buy a home is three hundred thousand dollars. Wow. And I was like, oh, that's... <clears throat> like that's the cost of the home. I should say actually, not the amount of income needed, but the cost of the home was three hundred thousand. It's like cool. That, well, uh, that's a one. lot. 
That's like almost half a million. That's, you know, you should just work harder, bro. You just gotta fucking grind, you know? (laughs) Bro, this ain't fucking World of Warcraft. Uh, It is, in a way. It's a fucking whale. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what were the what were the other articles saying? Um, the articles were saying basically just like that we're on the brink of collapse. The one today was some dude who's like, "Oh, we're on the brink of a collapse worse than ever because it's not just a collapse of one thing; it's like a trinomial three cause thing where not only is it the interest rates and the one thing, but also trying to keep the economic world stabilized and in trying to balance all three they're gonna fuck up all of them wow i can't wait and (laughs) he said it was because we're in the midst of a economic shift like a historical one and reading between the lines in my uneducated brain uneducated on economics brain it sounded to me like he he was saying you're all fucked (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like good luck common yeah. man mm. kind of like alright well as uh, a common man yourself RJ what, what do you think is the move what do you think is the plan what's the dealio write it out the stock market always right. bounces back just uh do nothing <laughs> patience be patient, patient. Fortitude. Hey, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, all those people who stuck it out through the Great Depression and were like, fuck it, I'm gonna buy stocks. Those are the ones who came back as millionaires. I'm pretty sure. Very true. Very true. Um, I don't know how many of the people in the bread lines were buying stocks, but I, I understand. <laughs> I understand the, the general concept Look, of man, your point. You just yeah. scrape together the $100, skip food for a month. Buy a stock. And then realize, after another month of trying to do that, that you've starved to death. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. I'll take one stock, please. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, not funny. Hey, but... now's a great time to get in on... Or Yeah, like, Friday was a great time to get in on Disney. Disney was down to 88 or something, and it's back up over 100 again. Wow. Should have bought. Should have. All because they replaced the CEO. Anyways, let's get back to your film. What's it called again? It's called Margin Call. I would suggest it. It's kind of... Some people rate it better than The Big Short. I don't think it's necessarily better. I think it's just sort of different. Uh, it's a very Big different... Short? Big Short? Oh, that was a movie that was made in like 2015. It's got Steve Carell and Ryan Gosling and Jeremy Strong. It's kind of about the same thing, but it's more like... um. It's kind of shot almost like mockumentary style, kind okay. of, and it's basically following a group, different groups of people, um, some managers at a small hedge fund, which is like uh, Steve Carell plays a character who kind of leads this group, and then like some kids who started this sort of like money mutual thing, this like financial startup basically out of one of their like garages, and um, it's sort of like just following their different um like some bankers too it's just following these different stories as all these people figure out like what's about to happen and kind of basically like decide to uh a short is when you're betting that the market is going to take a a downturn this is versus a long position which you're betting that it will eventually rebound um so it is the big short in the sense that they put a lot of money betting that the market was going to like was overvalued and was going to take a severe uh downturn and they were right they made like hundreds of millions of dollars so what so, makes you prefer margin call over that i don't know if i i don't think i don't prefer margin call over that margin call though is a lot less like um the big short is actually made by adam mckay who did movies like vice but he's also done and uh, he's also done like um he's like will ferrell's guy so he's done Was like he uh, don't look uh, up guy yes yes exactly ah. mm-hmm. 
Hmm. So it's the big short is kind of toned in certain areas, like a comedy and it's sort of like in between comedy and drama. Sometimes I can't really decide what it wants to be, but it does have certain beats that really work both dramatically and comedically, I think. And, uh, It, the Big Short's a little corny. Margin Call's a little... It, it takes itself like a little more seriously. But Margin Call is kind of like... I almost kind of want my financial movies to be a little bit corny. Like, I want there to be this sort of, like... Like, people shouting and sort of, like, getting really aggravated about, like, the numbers on the screen and stuff like that. And um, kind of, like, some melodramatic stuff. Because uh, Margin Call is very much, like, downplayed. Although it does have some wonderful scenes... between uh kevin spacey is in margin call too it's got great scenes with between him and jeremy strong uh they're just so fun to watch so i would say margin call if you want to watch sort of like a an understated drama about the collapse and then the big short if you want sort of like uh sort of kind of a fun uh janky little introduction to what it was all about Okay. yeah Nice. What about you? What do you got? Uh, I've got... I've been waiting for a little bit on it, but it finally arrived. Inside <laughs> Job Part 2. Their Ooh. second season. It was so good. Yes, yes. I've only seen about half the first season, so... Go do finish they develop, like, Go finish it. What are you doing here? You're right. I gotta go right now. Pause your, pause your, pause your podcast episode. Pause it. We'll be here. Go watch Inside Job Part 1. First season. It's a really fun animated show about what if a bunch of conspiracy theory stuff was real but controlled by a company that mm -hmm. kept it hidden but also perpetuated. And it's also, it's like, isn't it partially produced by, um, Mr. Uh, oh, what's his name? Oh, something Hirsch, Alex Hirsch, is that it? Um, um, who is that? Is the guy who did Gravity Falls. Alex Hirsch. Yep. Yep. Um, that explains the art style. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's produced by, by, made by him. So, it's, uh, it's fun. So, it's how was the second Second season was really good. Uh, Adam Scott's new character was introduced well and used well without, like pushing out anyone else and without like he he was good for generating plots for episodes without like overtaking or like making the show about him and the overall plotting was pretty good it they did probably one of the best ways to handle meta level retcons i think i've ever mm. seen interesting yeah like they it's one of those things they lampshade when they get to it and it's like episode eight like episode seven and eight they which are the last two episodes of the series or of the season they end up putting a lampshade on like stuff that's changed or like how there's celebrities in the illuminati but also all celebrities are lizard people <laughs> that's right i forgot about that so, they do a really good job of that. It's, like, creative and funny. Um, the, I think the only downside is it felt a little short. Mm -hmm. Like, by, like, I wanted, like, one more episode. And I really want them to do a third season. I don't know how long they can perpetuate it, though. But if they don't get a third season, it was left off on a very unsatisfying point. Like, it's a really good season three fodder, but it's not as good. Of, like the, It's like they need one more season to wrap up in a conclude satisfying way. Because, like, you could end here if you had to, but it really just be kind of like, okay. I'm sure, I mean, people really love that show. I'm sure it will get a third season. Like, I... I, I don't no know. Doubt. Netflix Why? has a bad habit of canceling stuff before it yes. can finish. Mm, I guess that's fair. And animation is pretty Despite expensive. Despite the fact that they finished fucking Lost in Space. 
I had oh. heard no social buzz about Lost in Space after season one, and they kept that thing going forever. It's probably because I think Lost in Space was very expensive to produce, so like they probably they wanted to that try. One. Yeah, they they actually finished all the seasons of that one, despite the like other ones that were not even started or probably lower budget. And it's like, all right. Oh, it's also got that name recognition, right? It? It's got that. Yeah, Lost in Space. I mean, most people, even if they don't know what that is, like, they've heard those words together, you know? I've heard a lot of words together, James. None of it adds up. <laughs> hey, welcome to language, buddy. I can't help you there. I thought this was math class. Well, we can, we, you know... <laughs> I don't know if I can help. Damn. I'm just as confused. I'm gonna go talk to the geology professor. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Season 2 is pretty good. Um Yeah, she's a fun character. Dragon. Yeah, Ridley was I really love not Ridley. Ridley's the dad. Mm -hmm. What's her name? Reagan. Reagan, that's what it is. Reagan. I really like Reagan's characterization and how they handle like all the characterizations. But Reagan's one of those ones that's like, oh, this is, this is just fun. It's a fun character. Yeah. Yeah, I liked, I remember, like, from what I saw in the first season, I do like some of the, I feel like it's fun. It's definitely fun. I wanted them to go even more into, like, conspiracy territory. And there's, like, some, maybe they touch on some of the stuff and, like, um, second season, but I will say I in second season they have a, an episode revolving entirely around their control of the media. Really? Yes. Okay. No, they have like the robot president one in the first season. Yes, oh. he continues to be an ongoing character. That's funny. That's funny. And they do get into a little bit of the. They do do delve into a little bit more of the, like, other secret organizations, their main six, as it were. Oh, there are... Oh, oh, is this, you've like, got, the... <clears throat> yeah. You've got the Atlanteans. Mm -hmm. The Lizard People. Mm -hmm. Incognito... Uh, Incognito Incorporated. Whatever it is. Incognito Inc. That is. Uh, the Illuminati. The Catholic Church. <laughs> And Juggalos. Really? That's Juggalos control the global financial markets. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's really funny. Oh, man. Um. So do those, like, the, the is it, what is it, the board of, it's not the board of shadowy figures. What is yes. the, it, it is that? Yeah. Okay. Um, are they, like, tethered to all of them, or is it just Cognito Inc. that they're, like, the heads of, then? Uh, as I understand, if I'm remembering correctly from season, like, later episodes of season one and some of season two, they're technically tethered to all of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a matter of, like, direct control. Like, they don't directly control any of them, but they're in charge of all of them. And if people fuck up, they, they report to them. And they do delve a little bit more into the shadowy people stuff at the end of season two. Interesting. Not a ton, but just enough. Yeah, there's there's a lot of potential in that show. Um, yeah, yeah, and I do like the art style too. I think it's kind of fun. Um, it is. Like that's what I want out of. That's what I want out of an animated series, right? Like. They have an art style that is their own. Like, it's similar to a lot of stuff, because it's kind of similar to the Gravity Falls stuff, and it's kind of similar to... It's a little bit more simple, so you'll get, like, the robot animation that it's literally just, like, the boxes and circles to... You cut out. That are you cut out. out for, like, a few moments. What was that? You said you really liked an art style, or that's what you wanted out of a show where... Where, blank. where it's like, yeah, it's kind of like Gravity Falls. It's a little bit simpler, but it's... Mm -hmm. Like, it's not the same as everything else, right? Like, it's distinct enough. Mm -hmm. So, it's kind of, it kind of reminds you of Rick and Morty, but it's not Rick and Morty. It kind of reminds you of Gravity Falls, but it's not Gravity Falls. 
you know? Yeah, it does have it does have overtones of both. Though I do I do like it. Um because I don't mind either of those shows art styles really, but I do find it I find it so odd. Like we have this country has such a genuinely like fantastic tradition of animation and we rarely put that on display, at least in our television. Like we don't make I, like it still fucking annoys me to no end despite the fact that it shouldn't of have you seen those samples where people like put the heads of a bunch of the popular like cartoon network current current relatively current characters together and they all have that stupid bean shaped head and the same yeah. big eyes and the same big mouth and it's like fucking hell well it's that uh that's what they, they call the cal arts style because that's where like it's come out of and to be fair it's like that style is very it's a modern kind of reminiscence of like the old uh the old rubber hose style cartoons from like mm. the 20s or whatever it, the problem is is that it's rarely as the problem creative. is fucking doing it and we don't have hanna-barbera mass-producing fucking shows anymore <laughs> very true we need some it's like, like if kinda... hanna-barbera was doing its thing again but it's not centralized under one production studio in the same like manner if that makes sense yeah, it's more of sort of a corporation of thought rather than of actual organization, which is still kind of the same thing, even if it's just spread out under different stuff. But no, I agree. Counterpoint, like, because Looney Tunes wasn't under Hanna Barbera, so like, you could you used to be able to watch Cartoon Network, and you'd get freaking like six Hanna Barbera shows, but then you get Looney Tunes where it's actually different. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. It, it, there, you, there was like some variation. And I don't know, I like the old, honestly, one of my favorite styles I've seen in American cartoons comes from like the mid 90s through the early to mid 2000s. Yes. Where it's yeah. very, I'm thinking like Powerpuff Girls, Dexter's Laboratory, yes. My Life is a Teenage Robot, like that stuff. Oh, I, I, love I, that I like style. that style. That's a good style. I, I was thinking Dexter's Laboratory too, but the two scenes that come to my mind when it's like, oh, I want animated diversity in animation styles. It's those Cartoon Network like commercial bits where you'd have the cartoon characters all in the quote unquote real world. So you got the them like doing their laundry and uh, Samurai Jack and Johnny Bravo are just at the machines. And the other yeah. one is those yeah. Disney cartoon crossover episodes where you like Lilo and Stitch and Kim Possible and the Proud Family or whatever the fuck are all in one episode together. And it's like, oh, look distinct differences in their animation styles it's true i love kim possible that the, no that's the thing too that's actually a really good point disney channel did a really good job at having a pretty diverse range of like animation on its like when i was a kid i i only wanted to watch cartoons i did not like watching like the live action stuff i would yeah, fuck live but action. I, yeah i fuck i prefer cartoons <laughs> cartoons are awesome they're great uh yeah, no, I totally forgot. Kim Possible is awesome. That show's amazing. It only um, had like three seasons. And I think that's one of the things that blew my mind recently was I was looking back at some of the like, just saw some factoids pop up for a different couple shows. And it's like, oh yeah, this show only had two seasons or this show only had three seasons. Like, wait, what? It only had how many seasons? It was on all the time. It felt like that for sure. I feel like definitely, well, one, because when we were watching it, it was like so... Uh, I don't know, like, uh, you know, if you're, like, eight or nine, and it goes on for three years, I mean, that's, like, close to, like, a third of your life, a little over it, right? So it feels, Fair. it relatively feels longer. At the same time, I do feel like there were just so many reruns, like, it felt like it was on for So many reruns, and I never, I never actually watched every fucking episode of Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. <laughs> Oh man, dude, don't get me started. That show's awesome. That show's so cool. Like, Do you know how old I was when I realized their vampire character was a play on Nosferatu? Uh were you were you this old? Uh no, I was probably twenty one. Twenty or twenty one. Was it um hold on. Yeah. Wait, was it, it like a robot or something? Yeah, it's like a robot energy vampire whose name is literally NOS4A2. NOS4A2, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, dude, I loved that show. I loved the um the robots. I love the, they call yeah. them Hornets. 
think that's what they're called. I remember that. Um, and that's another really one that had a pretty distinct, simple art style. It did, but it was still sort of kinetic. It could still move, you know? Um, it was sort of... My God, it's Craig Ferguson voices Nosferatu. That's nuts. Damn. That's so funny. Um, wasn't a. I think it was just in the movie uh, that they put out that. Um, oh, what's his name? Um, the voice on Disney's Soaring Ride. I don't know. Uh, you should. You'll. You'll realize it. Um, Patrick Warburton. Oh yeah, I think they yeah. oh, ended yeah. up using Patrick Warburton as the voice yeah. of the Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, that stuff was so cool. Shows awesome. <laughs> yep, and for the for the series, uh, they um uh. Because they brought in the original Buzz voice actor, Tim Allen, for the like movie they did. The animated movie, like, kick off the series. And then used Patrick Warburton for the rest of the series. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because they had them. Yeah, yeah. They had that movie. Yeah. And then yeah. They... Oh, man. Wow. So, I did not know this. So, <clears throat> Buzz Lightyear of Star Command was the last Toy Story production for nearly a decade until the release of toy story 3 in 2002 yep. and this was developed by the people who would later go on to create kim possible no wonder it's such yeah. a good show well and that was one of the things too with like kim possible where those were i remember reading something about those guys who were like yeah we uh we ended kim possible the way we wanted to like yeah i i wasn't it it's like uh the well they get together don't they yeah Ron and Kim. yeah i think they ended up having a few episodes after that but it was really one of those things where they were like we were allowed to end the series how we want, so we're happy. Like, we don't need to touch that again. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I don't know. That show is such a good, like, I've seen some clips online. It's such a an amazing trove of just, like, uh, just, like, early to mid-2000s, like, lingo. It's Impossible. just, it's really, yeah, it's really yeah. fun to watch. Um I don't know how much of it is actually, you know, like go of the time, but did um, were you also one of those kids who misheard the uh, like theme song as saying "Call me, beat me" if you want to reach me? Yeah, I I eventually got that it was beep, call me, beep me if you want to reach me. I but I don't. As an adult. Oh, did you really? Yeah. I did used to think it was uh, "Call me, beat me if you want to reach me." Um, kind of, I was just like, why did? No one, be she always wins though. No one's gonna beat her, so like, no one's gonna be able to get a hold of her, <laughs> especially now if she doesn't pick up the phone. Well, you know, never, you never say never, you know. She, she got, she, she gets beaten occasionally. That's where the drama comes in. James, um, I was eight when I watched the show. Give me a break. <laughs> Were, were you? Are you sure? Because it, it okay. So the original release, June seventh, two thousand two, to September seventh, two thousand seven. Wow! About. But it did not have like a did not have like a super continuous. Well, no, actually, kind of did. I would have been about six, seven, eight, somewhere in there. Wow. Wow. Yeah, this stuff is awesome. Yeah. So, what do we want to do next, segment-wise? Want to do some advice questions? We want to rewrite history? What do we... Uh, let's do some advice questions. Let's do, uh, right. let's do a rewrite next week. Sounds good. <laughs> Our next segment, How to Be a Better Buddy, where we give some real and some humorous advice. First question. What tells you that a man is a class act? With the further details... Not in the sarcastic sense, or I have a cigar with my whiskeys type of way, but more so in subtle behavior, or the way he reacts to situations. What behaviors in a man tells you that he is a classy person? Mm. Mm. I think I... someone who... Oh, yeah, no, you go. You go. You go. Mm. All right, I'll go. Um, yeah. Actually, I think the key thing right there is that, like, 
it's one thing to offer or a refusal once, maybe twice. The classy thing is to offer the refusal, offer the refusal one more time, and then accept. Because huh. otherwise, you you never want to be that person who ends up in the no you go first spiral. Because no one will break that, oh, and it's just a pain in everyone's ass, and you're wasting everyone's time. So, don't get the, a classy. A sign of class is you gracefully attempt twice to turn something down and then accept. James, do you have yours now? I do. I'm sorry. What were you saying? You were saying something about uh, offering a refusal twice. Yeah, offer refusal twice. After the twice, then you accept because you don't want to just get stuck in that refusal spiral. Yes. Yeah, I think it's. I think that's a good idea to offer it, <clears throat> and it's got to be offered like genuinely. But I, I agree. Like at least twice, and then yeah, and then go for it. And that's that's if you don't want something like just then when we were saying no, you go first. Like if you genuinely are trying to be nice and refuse, that's great. It goes from being nice and polite to a pain in the ass. If you do it more than twice. To refuse an offer? Yep. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Or that, like... Yeah. If you're offering something, you offer, they decline. You offer one more time, they decline again. That's it, no more offers. Yeah. Then then you go, is what I would say. I think that's fair. What were you gonna say for uh, your your thought of how to tell a man is a class act? I was gonna say being forgiving um, to themselves and especially to others because I think like I don't know I think uh, it's it's easy and it's tempting at least it's tempting to sort of like really condemn others and not like. It's one thing, I think, to sort of, like, say things. It's another thing in action to not be sort of, like, tolerant of people, if that makes any sense. Like, I'm all for, like, jokes and stuff like that, and I don't really, I don't really care either way. But I think when it, like, becomes clear that somebody is, like, genuinely not willing to give people, um, I don't think you let people, like, walk all over you, but I think there's a certain, like, emotional bandwidth that you need to allow where it's, like, greater than you would expect um because uh you never know when people are doing kind of the same thing for you and i think if a guy is really sort of i don't know classy i think that they'll be the most understanding or forgiving person in the room yeah yeah i think i think it's Again, it's another thing of balance, right? Of you can't forgive atrocity. You can't, you have to forgive appropriately, but mm -hmm. you also can't withhold forgiveness over everything. There are certain things you gotta yeah. just let roll off you of, like, you know what? It's all good. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's sort of, um, it's sort of important. Also, that and, Keeping your word, which is something yes. I have the hardest time doing. And uh, I admire, like, it's something I am, like, reminded of constantly. Is that I'm, like, deficient of it. And I am, like, really, I've really been trying this year and failing in some capacities to, like, get better at just, like, saying, I'm going to do this. And then I actually do it. So see, and that's I yeah. That's one of those things that in the last oh three years probably, three to five years, I've reevaluated what I am willing to give my word on, just to keep myself in that realm of honesty. But at the same time, occasionally, particularly in nonsense situations, following through on what I said I'll do to show that actions have consequences. Like I was at dinner with some people about a year ago. And one of them started singing the um, Wonder Pets theme song. Mm -hmm. And I looked at them and said, if you continue singing that song, I'm going to get up and leave. And we were at the end of dinner, so it was fine. Like, I could. 
and they kept singing, so I got up and left. Wow, you kept your word. And I think it's one of those, like, obviously you don't want to go around just threatening people, but it's in, it's just as much of a way to say, like, yes, I follow through on my, my words have meaning. Like, so that you don't need to be saying, oh, yes, I promise I'll get this to you by a certain date, or, oh, if you do this, I'm going to leave, or I'm going to do this. You do it with the silly stuff, because then they understand even more so when you do say, like, oh, I'm here for you, I'll support you, or I'll get this to you by Monday. They know, like, oh, you kept your word at the time where it was goofy, and you had no reason to walk up and go away? You'll probably keep your word that time, too, when it's more serious. Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's a fair assertion of a principle. Also, sure. don't over-apologize. When you truly are at fault and have done something wrong, apologize. When you have done nothing wrong, don't apologize for it. The, I, it's one of those pet peeves of mine, or it's becoming one, of the whole, like, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry about that. I'm so sorry. It's like, look, it's okay. You have not actually wronged me yet. You have done nothing wrong. What are you apologizing for? I think some people, though, like, they, like, it is sort of a... Like, I understand some people have anxiety and that leads them to feel apologetic because they get anxious that they might have messed up because they are overthinking the situation. I get that. Give them grace. But at the same time, I think it just feels, maybe I'm around a lot of anxious people, I don't know, but it feels like more people do that needless apology aspect. Yeah, and it can, it can at times feel like, um, somebody maybe, it's not always, but it feels like sometimes that somebody does that because they're like, they've almost like subconsciously learned that if they just do it enough, then it gets rid of the problem. Like it's not a, it doesn't feel like a genuine apology. Uh, it just feels like an attempt to sort of be like, I'm saying the words. So like, you have to let me, oh, right. It doesn't yeah. feel very, you know, and I've been, I've been guilty, like, of that, sure. I do think some people are just, like, more sensitive to transgression um, than others, and that I can understand, but I also, I, I agree with what you're saying as well, like, where it's, it can, even if you're sensitive to it, it's sort of like, you know, you don't, you don't necessarily need to say it, you know? I think to to cap off our what quali- like actions and reactions that qualify as classy is keeping your cool. Like, you don't have to have a handle on the situation. You don't have to be the one jumping in to organize things or saving lives. But keeping a calm enough head to not mess things up further or to not get in the way or not be the, like, person absolutely just wailing and sobbing uncontrollably just because it's some like there's some stress like just being able to keep a cool head long enough to remove yourself from the situation and get away not necessarily be alone but like to not be in a situation where it will be distracting or making the overall stress situation worse by your reactions so if you remove yourself from the situation and then you're like oh god oh damn but in the moment you were like not distracting the people trying to actually improve things i agree i i mean i was just thinking uh there's there's a line in like um this book of like arthurian stories that i was reading where it talks about how like king arthur kept his cool and how like any knight or any man kind of like worth their salt uh, no matter like how you feel, like whether you are like in the lowest of lows or the highest of highs, you always keep an even, an even sort of um, demeanor. And it's not like you can't celebrate, and it's not like you can't feel sad. It's more like it's not letting yourself get possessed by the feeling or by the sort of like. It's not letting your emotions uh, control you. 
Yeah, exactly. Which is like super difficult because it's like really easy to follow a feeling like super easy. And I do think sometimes like I think sometimes guys do get like obsessed with shutting that out. And I think sometimes you do need to follow it because I think sometimes like there's a lesson. Uh, it's just sort of like being discretionary about it and being able to sort of like understand cultivate like an intuitive sense of like which are the ones that like does this actually feel right or does this feel wrong and sometimes that's really difficult it's really difficult to tell so um but i i agree with you i think keeping your cool is a pretty it's very standard but it's a standard for a reason yeah our next segment our next question good grief next question when you meet a stranger, how long can you hold a conversation with them? How do you keep the conversation going? Uh, I'd say I can keep it going as long as I need to. Yeah, I'd agree. And I would say you the easiest way to keep a conversation going is just ask questions. Oh, I can break that down into an even easier one. You don't even need to have to like think of questions, right? Because like, maybe you don't know anything about gardening. You don't know what to ask. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is say... Tell me more about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And like, based on then the context of where the conversation goes, like, you'd be surprised at how many questions, how many, like, the questions you can ask about a broad range of things that I'm trying to think of how to say this. Like, you can ask the same types of questions about almost anything. And it, it works, you know, like, because everything, I don't know. Everything kind of works the same way, basically. If that makes any sense, like, oh, yeah. really? So does it work like that? Or or how do you do that? Then, like, what's the process and blah, blah, blah. There's some pretty kind of general questions, but they're ones that people really enjoy answering. So Also, like, yeah. if you're talking about something, just be like, oh, what made you get interested in that? Or why, why did you choose this? And they'll mm -hmm. tell you why. And then you pick something else off that of, like, oh, your dad and you went fishing every summer. Like, did you do a lot of stuff with your dad? And they'll talk about that. And maybe something else will come up. Or you just go back to the fishing and be like, so, do you still go fishing? Like, what What do you fish for? Yeah, it's pretty... I wouldn't say it's easy, but it's definitely... Yeah, it's... Once you get it down, you can kind of whip it out whenever you want. And literally just let them talk about themselves. They'll be happy. Mm -hmm. And they'll think yeah, you're a, a good They'll like you more for it. They will. Dale Carnegie. Is that uh, how to win friends? Yep. That's one of the things in how to win friends and to influence people is let them talk more, ask them questions. Yeah. A lot of people don't get that opportunity. If you can do that for them, you're providing a valuable service. It's too many people think that they're the interesting ones, so they should be talking and that you will be interested in them. No, 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 my friend. You do not do that. You let the other person talk and t about themselves, and you ask them questions to make them feel important, because then they mm -hmm. feel like you're interested in them, and maybe they will ask you a question. Maybe. And ideally, you're also doing it because you are either fleetingly or, or long-term-wise, hopefully, no matter what, genuinely interested, and you do want to get to know them, and you do want to hear about that. Because uh, I can tell you right now that if you deploy this strategy with the sole aim being to like influence somebody, someone will pick up on that. It is, it is definitely something that people will notice. So it has to be done genuinely. Yep. All right. Our next question. How do you deal with a man who's being very aggressive and obviously looking for a fight? Oh, I don't know, dude. I would say, like, and if they're going toward living fuck out of him, don't do that. It's so not worth it. Fighting is so dumb. I, don't know, I didn't say it, fight him. I just said antagonize. Yeah, that will lead to a fight, though. No, no, no. and he beats your ass, and you sue. That's no. Or that's... get him arrested. <laughs> Ideally, if he regard like. 
if he's coming after you, ideally, if you can find a way to disengage and basically, and sometimes it doesn't work, it really won't. If you can just find a way to be like, dude, I'm, I really don't want to do this. Like, I don't. Or you I, get I, your crew I, together and go looking for a rumble. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you want to pull go some, some socias. Yeah, some Grease West Side Story fucking stuff, then uh, yeah, go for it. Uh, yeah. Make threatening snaps at each other for the better part of three hours and see where that gets, where that gets you. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's definitely nothing. It's something that's like sucks because it's like it's, it's just a really shitty situation. Um, like, honestly, though, like just become super agreeable because then if if you're on their side they're not looking to fight you so if some guy is like hey man you knocked over my beer or whatever it is you're just like oh my god i did i'm so sorry here let me buy you another one or oh let me clean that up or oh yeah you know that's that sucks like just or if some guy's like going off about their sports team like and he's getting super aggressive and is like looking picking a fight with you about it. Just be like, oh no, nah, man, I've like just defuse the situation, be agreeable. You don't have to actually agree with them on anything, just be agreeable and nice. And then if they're really still spoiling for a fight, if you're alone, vanish. Get out of there, run away, whatever you gotta do. If you're in like a crowded area, just find someone to like help you out talk to a bartender or a waiter or a cop or uh like somebody uh, some other person just to make it look like you're not alone or if you do have other people with you just like get your group together to form a protective barrier but don't actually fight anyone yeah like i was reading a thread the other day of like hey people who have actually been in a fight what was it like and literally every response was just like, not worth it, not worth it, not worth it. Ended up doing jail time because I punched a guy once and he hit the ground the wrong way and died of a broken neck. Not worth it. Yeah. Like, like, I was in a fight and got three concussions. Not worth it. Violence is so... I don't mean to sound like that guy, but it's like so unnecessary. And I know this is like so cliche to say, but when you... Like, all things considered, it. I really don't know of any times where it's, like, There's actually a reason. acceptable. There's a reason self-defense laws require you to leave the situation at the earliest possible, conve- like possible, possible option. Like, it does not count as self-defense if you continue a fight when you clearly could have gotten away. Interesting. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I think it's, like, I don't know. It's just, it's really sort of, it's like the definition of dumb, and it's like, violence is easy. Violence is like a really easy answer to almost any problem, and it's lazy, and it's pretty dehumanizing to everybody involved. So I would not suggest it, and I would agree with like what RJ is saying, where if like exercise all options, you can to avoid that. Nice. Our next question. When is the right time after dating a girl to start calling her pet names or to be open for her to call you babe? Mm. Uh, I say this one's a little dependent. A little dependent on the personalities, a little dependent on the situation. Yeah, like two months maybe. Uh, I was going to say an average of three dates to three months. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I like those measurements. If y'all had really good click personality before the dates, so the three dates are just kind of a formality, yeah, you're all good. After three months, if you've been together that long, I think it's about time you can start busting them out. Just can't be one of those, like, forcing it. It's just gotta be like a, oh, hey, hun. Yeah. Load it out there when you think it's appropriate and depending on the reaction, you'll, uh, you'll know when, but definitely not, obviously definitely not on the first date. 
if they slap the you date. afterwards, you may not have been dating, and you should probably talk to a therapist. Yeah, like, you should probably have hung out with them pretty consistently for a while, at least a few weeks. And this is, like RJ saying, this is kind of contextual or dependent on, I don't know, sort of how the dates themselves go. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, like, be just be open to her calling you babe. Like, don't be some macho man bullshit of like, oh, I don't get pet names. Like, fuck you. Let a girl call you honey. Yeah, uh, come on. Be cool. Who doesn't want to be sweet? Yeah. Yeah. Our next question. What are three things a bachelor pad should have? And I'm, I have mine queued up ready to go on this one. Paper towels. Mm. Duct tape. Scissors. <laughs> wow, you're prepared. Look, paper towels to clean up spills, to do padding in the back of your shoe if the foam falls out, as a plate mm -hmm. if you need it, to clean your hands, paper towels have many uses. Two, tape, good tape, and at least two kinds, masking, duct, because you need to fix things, you need to hang things, you need to label things, you, again, going back to fixing things. You gotta have tape. Three, scissors. Because it's one of those things where it's like, oh, when will, I, when will I ever need a fucking scissors? Until the moment you need to cut the tape. You've really thought about those. I, I have high bachelor pad standards when it comes to, like, tools and utilities around the house. And very, very low standards when it comes to what tools I have in my kitchen. <laughs> This is fair. This is very fair. I keep like three rolls of toilet paper and three rolls of uh, paper towels stocked at all times. I have at least two Kleenex boxes waiting in the wings. Like, paper products and laundry products, you gotta keep that shit stocked. Because you never want to hit that and be like, ah, fuck. I'm out. What about you, James? What three things should a bachelor pad have? Um, I would say... A really nice TV, um, like big and well equipped, but still modest. Like it shouldn't be too flashy, but okay. something with good sound system, good picture quality. You can watch really great movies and TV shows on. Because you're a bachelor, and bachelors don't have social lives. So this is true. I would say a cast iron skillet that you take care of. That you cook all your meals in. Mm-hmm. And I would say a really comfortable bed. Like a super comfortable bed. A big but one, you only too. Need, oh, I was going to say you only need it in twin. Oh, you should get a king. King or a queen. California or queen. Whatever. Yeah, get the, get a big one, you know. And then you Have only use zero. one edge of it. Yeah, roll around in that space, dude. Nah. <laughs> edge of it, yeah. I've got, a, I've got a queen, and I literally use, like, the edge. Oh, bad. You lucky duck. Yeah. Why do you have, what, you just got a sleeping bag? I got a twin. I got yeah, a twin. It'll do you fine. Yeah, this is, yeah, it works. It works. It works for what I need. Our last question this week. What movie is a 10 out of 10? Rocky. Really? <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised by that answer awesome. from you. Yeah, Rocky is uh, a fantastic movie, and everyone should watch it. Nice. Uh, Toy Story. That's a great answer. Toy Story really is the basically the birth of 3D animated movies, combined with being just a genuinely a creative idea. Ah, oh, fuck, what mm -hmm. if toys came to life? B, a genuinely good buddy story. Of, oh, mm -hmm. unlikely partners becoming best friends. And manages to take the scale of being a toy and convert it into, oh, here's some actual real-world dangers. And, like, what it would be like to have to navigate around that space. Yeah, it's done very realistically. I never even thought about it like that. Yeah. And they give them, like, yeah. actual real concerns of, like, 
Ah, fuck, we're moving. Let's not get lost. And, ah, shit, birthday. Who's the new toys in the room? And, ah, fuck, the kid next door blew one up. Yeah, that's good. Like that. So, all in all, just very... And I think it's one of those ones that also exemplifies how drafting is such an important part of the process. Because it almost didn't get made. Really? Yeah, that's Black Friday. Um... The t- what the when they were making Toy Story, they had what they called Black Friday, where they oh, did a showing for the executives, and the executives looked at it and they're like, "No, we're not doing oh. this." At that point, it was still, um, Woody was still more of a marionette, Buzz was slightly smaller and red, and Woody mm-hmm. was just an asshole. Like some people don't like Woody in the beginning, anyways. Because of, like, he's not always the best leader. But in Toy Story, he's very clearly, like, he is a leader. He cares about his everybody. He wants them all to get along. He's he's the, he's the stereotypical jock on campus, right? Of, like, he knows everybody, high-fives them, helps out the guys with the science homework, but also, like, throws a pass. Like, he's the everyman popular person who runs things because he runs the social hierarchy and is at the top of it and had that threatened. But in the movie that that came out, he only becomes like really a jerk as far as just wants to reaffirm that he is on top. He doesn't intend to actually hurt anyone compared to the, in the, in the original script, he straight up like tries to murder buzz. And, like, is an asshole to everybody, including, like, Slinky and all the ones who are, like, supposed to be his closest friends. He's just mean to all of them. Okay, so, yeah, so he's just a dick. Yeah, like, an absolute dick. Like, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, they ended up using a lot of Woody's original characterization for, I want to say, Lotso in Toy Story 4. Of, like, in charge through fear. Interesting. Interesting, okay. So yeah, and of course they did like the different different drafts and stages, which eventually got us to the end result. So, it is a great movie. It is. Woody's such a good character. His design is amazing. Well, and again, he was almost a mary. Have you seen the sketches originally? Yeah, he didn't. He have kind of like the ventriloquist mouth almost. He was supposed to be a ventriloquist oh. dummy with a massive head. And then yeah. Buzz was going to be so small as to be able to, like, stand on top of the globe and, like... Yeah, just he was, like, there. a miniature figure almost, yeah. He had a very exaggerated, like, head and stuff like that. Which they also rebrought in the Toy Story shorts that came out after Toy Story 3, where... Mm-hmm. And I need to correct myself, I said Toy Story 4 with Lotso, I meant Toy Story 3. Uh, in Toy Story 3, when they had, did, like, a bunch of shorts of, like, oh, the toys are at Bonnie's house now, like, what adventures do they go on? And they do have an instance where, uh, like, a McDonald's-style restaurant is doing Buzz Lightyear toys. And they accidentally bring the Buzz Lightyear McDonald's toy home and leave original Buzz at the at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. So it's this little McDonald's-sized Buzz Lightyear with a massive head and a massive bubble. That's funny. That's cute. Yeah. All right. That brings us to the end of our show notes for the for the week, James. Oh, we did it. We did it. We did it. Hooray. Hey. Good job, everyone. Good job. Congratulations all around. Bust out the champagne. We did it. We and saved Apollo good. 11. Wow. Except I think 13 was the one that had to be saved, but that's fine. Harry, Denise, and Tom Hanks are okay. Thank you for joining. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you to the band Problem of Interest for letting us use the song Living in the Moment off the album Cross Off Yesterday. You can find them on iTunes and Spotify. You can find our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are sold. Give us some good reviews, good ratings. We love it. Or some honest ones, you know, like, you gotta write what you feel. Uh, You can also find us on social media. Our Facebook is Better Buddies. We post Meet Mondays and our icebreaker questions if you want to submit memes for the meme mondays please send them in we'd love to have them um on twitter at better use the hashtag better buddies when you tweet about us 
and our Gmail account, betterbuddiescast at gmail.com. If you send us fan art, hate art, fan mail, hate mail, declarations of love and or war, icebreakers you want us to answer, or questions you need advice on, we will read those aloud on air, protecting your identity. Uh, And last but not least, be a better buddy. dog uh bonjour bonjour conseil va non ah, très bien très bien non 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 baguette oui oui non 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 <rire> non 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 Oh. 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 Oh.